We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering as we do each week to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion, but we'd love to hear what you're thinking as well. On our website are directions to download our app. Once you have it, join the group. What are you thinking? We'd love to connect with you there. In the uh, planning document for uh, today's service, under lesson, it says, Doug, give some reflections on your time away. Which felt when I was getting ready like a little bit of pressure because I thought, oh no, I was supposed to be reflecting. <laughs> so <clears throat> I got a uh, chest cold the, the first week, so uh, in my mind it kind of gave me a sense of permission to not do reflecting because I do reflecting in a lot of my life. Really, what I did work on a lot is napping. <laughs> and I, like, two times a day napping, I'd made a game of it. Let's see, do, you, do I think I could fall asleep again? Let me, let, let me try, let me, sure enough, I can. <laughs> so, <clears throat> instead of reflections, today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about feelings that I felt while I was away. Now, you'll remember me saying before I left that uh, I worked really hard this last couple of years to get our community ready to be given away. Uh, we've talked about the founder's trap a great deal and how often it's, uh, we don't uh, transition from a founding leader to whatever comes next. And so I worked hard to get things out of my head and get them out of my guts and put them into systems that other people could enact that would uh, uh, consolidate our values as a community and <coughs> an important Part of me being away, besides the napping part, was to give the community time to have some kind of a shakedown cruise and see how all that work went. Uh, how did we do at getting those things that would consolidate us as a community without uh, primarily depending upon Doug? And how secure are our values and how well does what we do actually enact, engage our values? Now it was clear even before I went away that we are much further along the excuse me, along that path than I thought we would be. So my time away um, without really planning it was just feeling feelings and getting out of the way to give you all time and our emerging leadership team time to try things out. And by all accounts, what I've heard so far, I'll hear more this coming week, but by all accounts, well done you. <laughs> you did a great job. So <clears throat> while I was feeling feelings, uh, you all were enacting community well, well done. So a little bit about the feelings. I've mentioned in the past some of the sadness that goes with realizing how fleetingly short life is. But I've talked about that before, and I've actually been grappling with my mortality since I was in my 20s. So that wasn't really new. <coughs> um, for the last couple of years, I could see what was coming, getting the community ready to transition. So there was a little bit of that, but that wasn't a big part of it. The bigger feeling that I felt was a wide-open vista kind of feeling, a freedom-to-explore kind of feeling, a space-to-imagine kind of feeling. How could I be in our community if I'm not? running everything? Uh, what could I do in our community? How could I help other communities do some of the things that we've done if I'm not in the co a cog in the machine making everything go? Now, I've thought these thoughts before, 
But for a month, I actually felt the feelings that go with that, integrated open possibility into the emotion part of my brain. So that's what I did. I took naps, and I felt feelings, and got out of the way so that the community could practice being a community and do that well. And again, went swimmingly well. Turns out I'm really good at napping. Turns out I'm okay at feeling. And turns out you are really good at living our values without me there to make sure. So that's what I did. Any thoughts before we start the lesson? All right. <coughs> so reading the national news, well you heard it again referenced this morning. Maybe you feel it too. Um, there's an underlying feeling of impending quiet dread that, oh my God, what is this year going to bring? Given what we've seen in the past, given what polls are saying now, given what we know even from our own family members, how bad is it going to get? And so, as I read the news, I'm sure you too, where there is a tone that's a fair amount of hand-wringing hand and disquiet, trepidation, plenty of borrowing troubles from tomorrow, things to worry about. So I thought it might be valuable this year to take one lesson, but break it up over the whole year, from now through to November, and to come back to it with uh, a recurrence. A lesson about things we could do to maybe do better than hand-wringing. Maybe do better than waiting for some shoe to drop. And if we do that, then if the shoe does drop, we'll be better able to rise to the moment. And if the shoe doesn't drop, we'll also be in a better place. My thought about breaking the lesson into smaller chunks was to give us space and time to integrate some action points into our lives. And to do that personally, because we put it into bite-sized chunks, but also do that collectively. Action points that will help us become the people our time on this earth need us to, needs us to be. So it'll be a lesson in a pattern you've heard me talk about before. It'll be a lesson about things that we can do today that if we will do, will make it possible tomorrow to do things that we cannot yet do. Things we can do now that if we will do, will allow us to do better than hand-wringing, better than disquiet. So here's what I mean by bouncing and bouncing back. Here are a couple of well-known quotes from Jesus. Um, can you read that? Does that show up? All right. Can't read that. <coughs> Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus said, love your enemy and forgive and you will be forgiven. You've no doubt heard those quotes before. They're often repeated, but they're often presented in a rather ineffective way. They're often presented as commandments. Do these things. Now, anybody who has attempted loving themselves or loving neighbor, forgiving neighbor, or loving enemy, anyone who's attempted to do these things knows these are not 
decide and it's done kinds of things. If these things are going to happen, they're going to happen as a byproduct. They're going to happen as a result of, an indirect result of doing things that we can do today that if we will do, make it possible tomorrow to do things that we cannot yet do. Things that we can do will change us and make us able to do what we cannot do. Saying, as I experienced with a lot of religious things growing up in church, saying, you have got to love yourself. You have got to love your neighbor. You have got to forgive. You have got to love your enemy. Just not helpful. We can got to until we're blue in the face. But without a process by which those things happen and by which those things unfold, those commandments are actually useless. So, here we got a set of well-understood, well-rehearsed principles deep that require deep substantive change in our souls, change that only happens if we do things today to make those things possible tomorrow. So, through the year, I'm going to talk about what those little things are. What are the things that we can do today that if we will do, transform us, make it possible for us to do tomorrow? And to put those things in small enough chunks with enough time in between them to be able to work at integrating them using the tiny habit approach. One small thing today that is here, now small doable. And I also hope given that one of the strengths of being part of a community together is that we can work on these things together, that we'll be able to help one another be steady throughout the year, doing our one small thing and doing it steadily and doing it consistently so that we can be, over the course of this year, growing into what we could be tomorrow. Things that if we will do, will make it doable to love self and doable to love neighbor, and doable to forgive neighbor, and doable to love enemy. So today, I'm going to have some brief remarks about that first one. We won't talk about that much this year, about loving self, because it's actually something that we talk about all the time. And we do talk about it because it is essential, and it is important. Turns out, if we get better at loving self, we also get better at loving neighbor. If we get better at loving self, we also get better at forgiving neighbor. When we can forgive self, we can forgive neighbor. And when loving enemy, usually without us even noticing that it's happening, finally sneaks up on us, it will be rooted in getting better at loving self and getting better at being friends and getting better at forgiving. That's the bouncing back part. Well, that's the bouncing part. The bouncing back part is the forgiving when things have gone sideways. So today, one significant practice that helps us develop our own capacity to love ourselves. Later, we'll talk about specific practices for becoming better friends and specific practices for forgiving. How to be better friends when something goes wrong, when something goes sideways. So... <clears throat> over the year, the lesson's going to follow the same pattern that we follow when we do the loving-kindness meditation. 
We start with something close to home, something very doable. And then we find that place inside of us that it's capable of doing that easy thing. And then we find the internal infrastructure that exists inside of us, and then we build on that. And we build that muscle, we build that capacity, and that allows us to access what is already within us and then strengthen our capacity to live in it. Then, when, often without us seeing it happen, forgiveness sneaks up on us. Or when, often without us seeing it happen, grace sneaks up on us. Or mercy for the other sneaks up on, of, on us. We will realize that that capacity that we did not used to have is there because we intentionally developed our capacity to love ourselves, we intentionally developed our capacity to be better friends, and we intentionally developed our capacity for forgiveness. And one day, who knows, loving enemy might not even be off the table. We get better when we develop friendships at empathy. We get better when we develop friendships uh, at doing that essential skill that will eventually help us empathize with our enemy. When we get better at friendship, we get better at open-mindedness. We get better at tolerance. We get better at our capacity to hold on to cognitive dissonance, to hold on to, comp hold on to two competing thoughts in our minds at the same time. And we develop those skills, we develop those capacities in the context, context of our friendships. And then we find that we can look up one day and do that in the context of our adversaries. We develop those capacities in a way that is here now small doable with ourselves and our friends. And then in November, if the shit hits the fan or if it doesn't, and we have become more capable to be the kind of people that history needs us to be in our families and in our community, all the better. Now again, here's what the lesson is not saying. Okay, self, start loving self. No. Okay, self, start loving neighbor. No. Okay, self, forgive that person who wronged you. Start loving the enemy. But here's what the lesson will be saying. Okay, self, do this thing that you can do, that if you will do tomorrow, who knows? So today, a few words about how we can do better at loving self. And today is really just going to be a simple story. A reminder to be steady in one of our community's core values. Even the most swaggery, of us, those of us seemingly born with self-love, even uh, those, every human being struggles to love ourselves. The swaggeriest among us, I know from experience, are actually facing a little bit of a liability because all of that swagger is usually uh, a hidden set of coping strategies to fool ourselves with our swaggeriness that we have self-love. But what we're often doing is just developing a robust set of strategies to keep us unaware of our own not self-love. 
But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not one of the swaggery. Maybe you didn't wake up in that brain. Maybe instead you you inherited a personality with an onboard inner critic. Daily serving up a steady diet of negative thoughts about self. Or maybe your form of not-self-love is an unrealistic set of perfect standards, perfect expectations, which then creates a chronic dissatisfaction with what you do or a chronic dissatisfaction with who you are. Or maybe yours is a recurring struggle comparing yourself to other people. Or maybe for you it's getting past wounds that you've sustained along the way. I know some of us have experienced enough rejection. It's hard not to feel that rejection coming looking forward in advance. Doing, uh, practicing a dose of self-rejection just to get ahead of anticipated rejection. Well, for some, our not-self-love takes the form of chronic guilt or recurring shame or body image, or not feeling smart enough. Not self-love is a ubiquitous human experience. And as Jesus' paradigm suggests, it's going to be hard to love neighbor. It's going to be hard to be a good friend. It's going to be hard to forgive if our starting place isn't love for self. Now that's a pretty familiar notion. It's hard to love others when we cannot love ourselves or when we do not love ourselves. I heard it when I was quite young. Be surprised if you haven't heard it as well. But what I didn't realize was how insidiously the experience of not self-love undercuts all the things we want. In one one instance of that is how insidiously not self-love undercuts community undercuts a commitment to make community. So I'm starting Common Thread, 1995. I'd come from a good church in Los Angeles where people's lives in this good church were not being transformed the way that I imagined a robust spiritual life could transform lives, which was a little bit of a disorienting experience for me Because I came here to start a church, but if a really good church isn't doing that kind of transforming of people's lives, what are we doing here? So I started a group. It was a let's listen for the inner voice together group. We would meet on Saturday afternoons. We would sit outside of the old church building, put our chairs in a circle when the weather was good, and we would do spiritual practices together and we would listen for inner nudges together. I think I mentioned that just a few weeks ago. Well, about three or four months into this practice, this exercise being together, (coughs) we did. We did sense an interior nudge, and it happened in kind of a dramatic way. You'll be familiar with it. We're still following this inner nudge 30 years later. Be authentic community together. Be authentic community together. And the way that we experienced that inner nudge being kind of dramatic, we paid very close attention to it. We took it very seriously, and we tried our best. First thing we did is we went out and we learned what are best practices for authentic community. 
then we begin to practice those best practices for authentic commuter community and some really beautiful things happens things that set the trajectory that we are still on today but a couple months in as we were getting closer to one another as we were getting more comfortable being our honest selves we started getting on each other's nerves we started pissing each other off and we started hurting each other's feelings so Saturdays in our circle we were a little bit jarred confident that we had sensed an interior voice nudge unable to do the thing the inner voice had nudged <laughs> so what are we to do about that when I was just starting out as a minister I was looking for a spiritual mentor and I started meeting with an old nun up in the hills above Los Angeles where I was one of the very first things that she insisted that I do I think she took one look at my personality and realized there was no sense doing anything else until I learned to meditate and so I did not very steadfastly in those years but I learned how to do it and I did it some <coughs> so fast forward to our circle of chairs sitting out on the grass and we couldn't do what we believed was our inner nudge to do and I thought to myself ah maybe it's time that I take meditation seriously so I found a meditation group here in town up at St. Francis uh, that by where our old building was and I met with a group of older ladies I was the only male and I was the only one under the age of 70 <laughs> so I started meditating with my Catholic lady friends and I told our Saturday group about it <coughs> now like a lot of Christians back then Matt just alluded to this uh, those folks grew up thinking only Buddhists meditate and so this whole idea that I was meditating seemed a little bit weird but it had been kind of a blow not being able to do what we knew we needed to do so we meditated together on Saturdays some of us in the mornings a few learned walking meditation stepping and breathing and stepping and breathing and here's what happened you've heard it before meditation changed us meditation is a thing that we could do today that if we will do will make it possible to, to, to do tomorrow what we can't do today now we couldn't articulate the mechanics of what was going on we couldn't explain to you the why or the how we just started med meditating and realized we were more able to do community only later when I began to study our contemplative tradition could I articulate the why and the how meditation awakens us to oneness consistently people who meditate over time begin to realize everything is connected we are connected to the interior light and we are connected one to another meditation helps us see that the ego self that believes we are discrete packages of separateness is not the truest self our habituated thoughts and our habituated feelings what Einstein called that very persistent illusion of reality those things are not us they are things that we do our thoughts they are things that we do our feelings but they are not us meditation awakens us to the interior sense that at our deepest beneath the flesh and the blood beneath our evolutionary brain patterns we are made of the stuff that the divine is made of and you can't get more precious and you can't get more loved than that 
We couldn't articulate then. All we knew, when we meditate, we're more able to be authentic community together. We're more able to be better at being friends. We have more grace for one another's foibles. We're able to love even when one another eh, is a little bit unlovable. Contemplative practice, meditation, loosens the hold of false self, loosens the hold of habit thinking and habit feeling, loosens the hold of the habit thoughts of not love for self. Those are not reality. They're just deeply ingrained thought habits. The feelings that we have toward ourselves are not reality. They're just deeply ingrained patterns. And <coughs> meditation loosens the hold of those patterns. Coping strategies that we build up to insulate ourselves from how painful it is to realize we don't love ourselves. Do the thing, get it done, be this kind of person, hold this kind of image. All of those patterns, meditation loosens the hold that they have over us. Meditate, and there emerges within more of a sense that there is a deeper reality and that we carry it within our very selves, that we are a divine center. Meditate, and we become more suspicious of our thoughts. We become more suspicious of our feelings. We can actually stand outside of them and objectify those thoughts and feelings and look at them as something that is not me. And in that position of standing outside of our thoughts and feelings and being able to examine them, we can now choose in a way we could not choose before. Shall I walk down that thought pattern path or shall I not? Thoughts and feelings are real. They're just not the realest thing. They're just thoughts, and they're just feelings. They're not reality. They are things that we do. <coughs> you have heard this before. <laughs> but we're launching on a year, and we're maybe at a time in history where it's not enough to just know the concept of meditation. We're walking into a time where we need, our society needs us to be meditators because we need what happens to people when we engage in the steadfast, consistent practice of meditation. Letting go of our reactionary instincts. Letting go of the instincts that undercut our ability to love and be loved to forgive and be forgiven, to befriend and be befriended, that undercut our efforts to want to restitch the torn fabric of community. Meditation is the first rung on a ladder of transformation that culminates in us being what this moment in history needs us to be. Now that's about all I'm going to say about the love for self practice because uh, we're going to be doing what we did this morning all year long. We have a built-in pattern in our community. You'll be invited week after week after week to be steady together in meditative practice. 
I'll be back in the morning meditation Zoom this week. I was gone in January. We'll have uh, another, I th do we still have Tuesday evening meditations? Zoom meditation? Or we won't do Tuesday, but then you uh, did hear that we're going to be back doing centering prayer uh, Sunday mornings. We'll have contemplative Sundays like we had today. There's a consistent invitation to take on, take up the practices of meditation. But I focus on that today, even though it's such a recurring rhythm in our community, to remind us meditation is that first rung on a ladder. And that ladder will take us where we want to go this year. Meditation makes us better at being friends. Meditation makes us better at forgiving. And meditation will make us better at loving our enemies. We need more this year than hand-wringing. We need more this year than trepidation and disquiet. So in dwelling divine, may we help one another do the things today that if we will do them, will help us become the kind of people tomorrow that our families need us to be, that our friends need us to be, that our community needs us to be, that our nation needs us to be. Amen. It's <clears throat> been a long time, so uh, what do we do next? I've forgotten. <laughs> I just came to the end, and I realized, huh? Uh, oh, yeah, the live stream. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Um, hello there, friends, on the live stream. Uh, welcome. We're glad you're here. What do I say to them? <laughs> oh, we're going to dismiss them. That's what we're going to do. All right, here, here's what's going to happen now. Uh, we are going to open the floor in a moment. And we are going to talk about this, what I just said, and we're going to get to hear from one another. Uh, you have the option to do the same thing. Now, there's a very good chance that you think to yourself, there's no way in hell I would do that. Not going to do it. Well, here's the thing. If you would, I think it would benefit you. I think that the people who have made consistent practice getting on that Zoom and having these discussions week after week after week have developed a relationship, albeit an online relationship, that has become very meaningful and a context and a place for speaking out loud and developing relationship one with another. So I hope you'll do it. You can find the link to the Zoom in the notes, uh, the YouTube notes there. You can also find it on our website. And you'll get to a place where there's a password requested. And if you've waited this long, we'll tell you what it is. It is 1417-1417. All right, let's dismiss the folks um, online. If you would, please put your hand on your heart and let us remember as we go, as they go, that we are, every one of us, carriers of the indwelling divine. There is within us everything that we need to navigate this moment in history. Love and joy, peace and patience, the capacity to be good friends the capacity to forgive, even the capacity to love our enemies, it is within us because we carry the spirit of the divine within us. And if you would extend your other's hand to our city, let's look for opportunities this week to share what is in us with the people that we live and work and go to school with, looking for opportunities to repair and heal our worlds. Amen. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. Go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org. The donate button is right there on the top. Thank you.